We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. suppose if we had eyes to see in the spirit realm, and I don't mean this to sound mystical, I just mean this to sound biblical. I wonder if we had eyes to see if there would be thousands of angels right here in the sanctuary, joining in on our worship to our Heavenly Father, celebrating what God does here. Angels are at work in our lives. We are not to worship them. We are not to venerate them. We are not to idolize them, but we can thank God for them. They are at work. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Though angels are not to be worshipped or idolized, you can take peace in knowing that God has sent them down to protect and take part in your life. Pastor Gary teaches us today some things which we ought to know about angels. We learn that we are not to ever make the mistake of putting them before God and that they are merely messengers for Him. In addition to that, we learn that they are real and active in our lives. They can protect us from the spiritual warfare around us and protect us from the dangers which threaten us in the physical realm as well. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 91 for part two of today's message titled, Angels on Assignment. But at first, Muhammad said that the visions he received were hallucinations. That's the first thing he said. Then he said that the, that the visions he received were actually the inspiration of jinn. Jinn is just an Arabic word meaning demons. Other people said to him, no, no. It was not jinn and it was not hallucinations. It was the angel Gabriel who appeared to you. So share with us the visions. And out of that came the Quran. Now, the angel Gabriel is mentioned in the Bible, but why is it that I say that Mormonism and Islam is founded on the erroneous view of angels? Because Paul makes it clear in the Bible, in Galatians 1 verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's strong language. But what Paul was saying is, if there's any other gospel outside of the truth of the sacrifice of Christ, the Son of God, on a cross for your sins, that by believing in him you shall have eternal life. Paul says, if anyone tells you otherwise, even an angel who purports to be an angel and comes to you and says, well, there's a different gospel, 
Paul says, let them be eternally condemned. So we need to understand angels because some erroneous things have come out of a misunderstanding of what angels and who angels are. So I'm going to take you through just a brief description of them and then just some mention some duties of the angels and we'll come back here to this whole idea of how they protect us. But for those of you who take notes, as far as the description of angels goes, the word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. And the Bible says in Hebrews 1.14 that angels are ministering spirits. They are spirits. Now that is important because it needs to be distinguished from human beings. You see, angels are not glorified human beings. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty that they neither marry nor reproduce like humans. By the way, we don't start out as angels and then come to earth and are born. And when we die, we don't go to heaven and become an angel. All right, I know it's a wonderful life kind of portrays that. When do you get your wings? It's a wonderful life is kind of a wonderful myth. But it's not, it's not in the Bible. You don't become an angel when you die. Human beings are distinct from angelic beings. And they are immortal, but they are not eternal since they were created by God. In other words, eternal in the sense of having no beginning and no ending. Angels have a beginning. They were created by God. Psalm 148 verses 2 and 5 says this. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his heavenly hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Now when were angels created? Well, we don't know exactly when, but we know that it was before the universe was created because God created angels before he created the heavens and the earth because they were present with singing and rejoicing when he spoke the world into existence. Job 38 tells us this. This is when God was having conversation with Job and he was rebuking Job for Job's ignorance. And God said to him in that passage, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So God tells us that angels were present even before the universe because they were there giving praise and worship to God for his creation. We also know in the Bible that angels who once rebelled against God are known as fallen angels or demons. Jude verse 6, 2 Peter 2, 4, both of those passages tell us that among the fallen angels, the worst of the demons have been kept in darkness in an inner cell within hell only to be released during the time of the tribulation period. Now, otherwise, other demons are in the spirit realm unseen, but the worst of the demons have been kept in chains until that day of the tribulation when God will release them in the earth. They are otherwise known as fallen angels or demons. And all angels in the Bible present as masculine. Now that isn't to say that perhaps there aren't angels who present feminine. But as far as the Bible goes, it only portrays angels who present masculine. We have our own concept of angels. And usually angels and our heads, at least in terms of culture, are more effeminate. They're more female. But in the Bible, they only present masculine. Now, while the Bible gives no definite numbers about how many there are, we know that they are very numerous. In Hebrews 12, 22, it says that they number in the thousands upon thousands. In Matthew 26, 53, before Jesus was crucified, 
He said to his own disciples, do you not think that I could call upon God and that, that 12 legions of angels could be dispatched to rescue me from the cross if in fact I wanted that? But of course, Jesus was compelled to the cross by his love for us. A Roman legion is 6,000. So 12 times the Roman legion would be 72,000. I, I don't know that Jesus literally meant 72,000. I just think he's using a round number to communicate. I could have called on a vast army of angels to rescue me if I wanted to. Even more numerous is a statement that Daniel makes in Daniel 7.10 when he says that angels number 10,000 times 10,000 standing before God around the throne. Do the math, that's 100 million. Again, I don't know that he meant literally 100 million. It could be obviously more than that. But these numbers are used in large quantities to communicate there are a lot of angels in the spirit realm that are unseen. Now, there are only three angels that are named in all of the Bible. Gabriel, who is the messenger angel. Michael, who is the archangel. And Lucifer, the fallen angel, otherwise known as Satan. Uh, There are also different kinds of angels with different ranks and different roles and different duties. We have mentioned in the Bible the terms seraphim and cherubim and archangel. Seraphim comes from a word that means fiery ones. They were present in Isaiah 6 around the throne of God. Isaiah describes it. We'll read it a little bit later. Cherubim in the Bible are seen as angels that guard Guarding sacred things are mentioned several times. One place is Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, God stationed cherubim to guard the east entrance back into Eden so that Adam and Eve couldn't get back in. And there's only one archangel mentioned in the Bible, Michael. Gabriel is not an archangel. Michael is the only archangel mentioned in the Bible. Arch from archom from a Greek word meaning first or preeminent. Like when, in English when we say there, there's an archetype, that would be the preeminent or the first model. And again, Angelos from messenger. So Michael is the chief or pre- preeminent angel among the angels. Again, showing that there are ranks. A word of warning, angels are not to be worshipped ever. They are never to be worshipped. John accidentally uh, was about to worship an angel when he got uh, rebuked by one. In Revelation 22, 8 and 9, John says this, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I, heard and, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, the angel, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God, the angel said. And so they are just servants like we are, though they are distinct, we are never to worship them. And they do, however, the Bible says, sometimes take on human appearance. Genesis 18 is one example among many. And even today, we should be aware, Hebrews 13, 2 tells us that some people have entertained angels without knowing it. That you may very well encounter people in the course of your lifetime. That could very well be an angel, but they have taken on a human appearance for a specific purpose. There are six primary duties of angels. I'm just going to rattle off the list, and we're going to focus just the last few minutes on the last one. And so here's the list. I'll give them to you right up front. One of the primary duties of angels is to worship God. This is the main activity portrayed in heaven. 
Again, reading from Isaiah 6. This is the vision that Isaiah had about the throne of God in Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The second thing that they're known for is to execute God's judgment. We see in the Bible that an angel went forth and smote an Assyrian camp in 2 Kings 19. God also dispatched a destroying angel in 2 Samuel 24, but then he called him back when David had sinned and counted his fighting men out of pride. God threatened a destroying angel, but then David repented, and so God withdrew his hand. We also see the angel of death at the time of Moses and the Passover. When the people of God were spared, the angel of death, because they marked their homes with the blood of the Lamb. But every home that did not Mark itself with the blood of the lamb. The destroying angel came and took the firstborn of that household. Sometimes they execute judgment. Sometimes, number three, they deliver messages to people. We see this particularly with the angel Gabriel. In Luke chapter 1, he delivered a message to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Told him in advance that he and his wife Elizabeth, even in her old age, would give birth to a son. He would be a prophet of God named John. In Luke 1 also, Gabriel appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, announced to her that what was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit, and she would give birth. And she was to name her son Yahashua, Jesus, the Lord of salvation, because he would save his people from their sins. Number four, sometimes they appear to strengthen and encourage people. We see Jesus was strengthened and encouraged by an angel after his time of wilderness fasting in Matthew chapter 4. We see also that angels appeared to encourage the apostles in Acts chapter 5. And we see an angel encouraging Paul in Acts 27 that everyone on his ship would survive the impending shipwreck. Number five, this is a very tender one, I want you to hear this. Angels care for people at the time of death. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is teaching a story, a story about Lazarus who was a righteous man. And he dies, and he goes to Abraham's side of paradise, where Jesus said this in Luke 16, 22. The time came when the beggar Lazarus died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. I believe you can extrapolate that to mean this. When a believer dies, God is true to his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us, even dispatching angels to escort us from this life to the presence of God. That we are carried there and escorted by angels themselves that God has sent. So that even in death, we are not alone. Finally, number six, the topic really of Psalm 91 is that angels will protect and guard us. They are sent to keep God's people out of physical danger. Let me read again verses 11 and 12 right here from Psalm 91. For he, God, will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now if this passage seems familiar to you, if you're sitting there thinking, I think I've heard this somewhere else besides Psalm 91, you are correct. Satan 
quotes this passage as part of his temptation of Christ in Luke chapter 4. You remember that during the period of Jesus' fast in preparation for his public ministry, for 40 days and 40 nights, he was in the Judean wilderness. Satan appears to him and tempts him three times. And on one occasion, Satan actually took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said to Jesus, since you're the son of God, why don't you throw yourself off the temple here and go head first down below? Because after all, and then Satan quotes Psalm 91, 11 and 12, because after all, he, God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Go ahead, Jesus, try to commit suicide because after all, the angels will protect you. And he actually distorts the word of God, trying to tempt Jesus to take his own life. And Jesus responds, and every time Jesus was tempted, he quoted scripture. This time he quotes out of Deuteronomy 6, 16. He says, it also says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Understand, by the way, from this passage, you know, don't do foolish things. All right? Yes, there is a day appointed unto us in God's book. That day that is known to him when we will go to be with him. But don't, don't take a passage like this to, to think about doing foolish things with your life. Well, after all, Psalm 91, 11 and 12 says that God's going to protect God's going to send his angels, so I'm just going to do reckless, foolish things. No, Jesus says, do not tempt the Lord your God. Satan was using this passage. By the way, note Satan knows the Bible. He just misapplies it and distorts it and twists it. To his advantage to try to do what he wants in your life. So beware, even Satan knows the Bible, but fight back with the truth of the Bible, which is what Jesus did. We also see angels rescuing Daniel from the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. After Daniel was rescued in Daniel 6.22, he said, My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion." And have you ever wondered, you know that old saying about how everybody has a guardian angel? Actually, there's a biblical basis for that. Now, Jesus said it about children, but I, I think that, you know, the angel doesn't check out when you, you know, suddenly hit puberty. So I think it is safe to say, you know, it's like the angel looks at, well, you're not a kid anymore, so I got other stuff to do. You're on your own. But there's actually an interesting verse Jesus says in Matthew 18:10. He says, see that you do not look down on one of these little children. For I tell you that their angels in heaven Always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, notice he didn't say, see that you do not look down on one of these little children, for I tell you that an angel in heaven. He says, their angels. In other words, he speaks in, in a very literal way that there is an angel attached to children. That God has actually sent a guardian angel to protect us, to watch out for us. Now, folks, I want you to just stop and imagine, because we may never know until perhaps the day we stand before the Lord. I think to myself, and I want you to think to yourself, in how many ways and in how many times have angels protected us? Our families, this church. I suppose if we had eyes to see in the spirit realm, and I don't mean this to sound mystical, I just mean this to sound biblical. I wonder if we had eyes to see if there would be thousands of angels right here in the sanctuary joining in on our worship to our Heavenly Father. 
celebrating what God does here. Angels are at work in our lives. We are not to worship them. We are not to venerate them. We are not to idolize them. But we can thank God for them. They are at work. In probably the most famous book, I think, that was ever written on the topic of angels was a book written by Billy Graham several decades ago called Angels, God's Secret Agents. And in his book, Dr. Graham writes about this true life story of one missionary by the name of Reverend John G. Patton. Reverend Patton lived in the late 1800s, and he devoted his life to the mission field. In particular, he was called to the New Hebrides Islands. Not the Hebrides Islands. Hebrides Islands are off the coast of Scotland. The New Hebrides Islands are between Hawaii and Australia. And in the 1800s, the people who occupied the New Hebrides Islands were primitive, with a capital P. They were savage natives. They were cannibals. And in fact, many missionaries who had attempted to go into the New Hebrides Islands were killed and eaten by the people who lived there. Reverend Patton, with the courage that only God can give, went with his wife and child into the New Hebrides Islands as a missionary. His wife and his child would die of yellow fever shortly after they got there. He would later remarry and go back to the New Hebrides Islands, where on one occasion, Billy Graham writes in his book, that Reverend Patton and his wife were at home in the mission house and they were surrounded by the natives. And the natives were yelling out threats of death and that they were going to burn down their mission house. And so Reverend Patton and his wife got on their knees and started praying inside their little hut, praying for God's protection, praying for God to keep them safe. They prayed all night long. And in the wee hours of the morning, they no longer heard the threats and the chants of the natives around their home. They looked out, and they were all gone. A year later, the tribal chief received Christ. Reverend Patton led him to Jesus. And since it was a year later and enough time had gone by, Reverend Patton brought up that scary night with the tribal chief. He said, I'm just curious, why was it that you decided not to kill us and to burn down our house? And in Billy Graham's book, he quotes from the tribal chief through the words of Reverend Patton. The tribal chief said, quote, How could we attack when hundreds of big men armed with weapons and shields were guarding the mission house? And Reverend Patton in response said, There were no men guarding our house. It was just me and my wife praying. You see, it was God who had dispatched angels and who would allow them to be visible enough to deter those natives on that one scary night. And in the process, they came to faith. And that whole region, that whole series of islands between Hawaii and Australia became radically converted to Christ. How is it that God has dispatched angels on your behalf and on my behalf? I close with the final few verses of this 91st chapter. Verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
Amen. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're That you've got no place to go But still you know